Since you're a computer operative. Excellent. Hey, yo. Excellent. Stop playing, it's my turn to smoke. Heavy dose of that murder I wrote. Don't let it burn your throat. I ain't from the same cloth, they be turning coats. I'm hood good, here to shot down the Sherman Oaks. Ain't nothing worse than true lies, but new lies. I'm too wise, they be acting like they shoe size. Stormy days make you pray to see them blue skies. I'm from the fire right next to where the jewel lies. Scrutinize if you must, it's all we trust. Who hard is us, boy? We hit you with the karma touch. Tough as an armored truck, fresh like a barber cut. In In other words, simply marvelous. Check this file. I check, 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 check this file. Check this file. I check, 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 check this file. Your flow needed to retros a dope. Sure is. You were supposed to beat me to death blows a dope. We can go, we can go. Toe to toe. We can go. Toe to toe. Excellent. He is back when you thought I might have mellowed. Read the mic and rap. You fuck you. Don't get our yellow. Check this file. Mind is the nine, so the brain will shoot you. When I write, it's like Stephen Strange looking in the future. This is Shorty, y'all. You got a corgi on, I'm sipping 40s and Rick and Morty's on, Excellent. so observing got me on the verge of murder, so catch me at your mom's house with a Tom Segura Pizza Aura, talking to Azora, CC tug of puller stands on Grand Fedora I'm dangerous like churches and storefronts Stable rappers getting killed when they want more guns Sometimes in this business, something very special happens. Sometimes the stars align, and you find yourself in a position to do something that you know is going to be great. Uh, recently, I got to work on the brand new music video for Czarface. Uh, and those of you who are fan, uh, fans of my work and have seen my stuff, you know that I haven't done a music video in quite some time. You might even say that I have been retired from doing music videos uh, just because of how difficult and how complicated uh, getting a music video off the ground can be these days whether you're talking about budget problems or you're talking about egos, it's a very difficult place to make a career as a music video director. And these days, the only reason why I would ever do one is because I either love the people and I want to hang out with the folks or it's a really cool idea. And so I got to work with Zarface and I got to work with Tom Segura and Christina P from Your Mom's House. And it was such a wonderful experience. It was such a uh, effortless experience creatively. And we got to create the new video for the track Bizarro, which I think is fucking great. I fucking love it, actually. It's one of my favorite new pieces. It's one of my favorite pieces that I've done in a long time. And the whole experience was a wonderful experience. I got to work with uh, Seamus and George and Inspector Deck. And those guys are always gentlemen. And they always allow me to do... Uh, whatever it is I want with treatments and concepts. And I got to meet uh, Nadav, the producer over at your mom's house. And I got to hang out with Christina and Tom. And they both are sweethearts. Um, very exciting. And being a fan of your mom's house, it was such a crazy experience to be able to go into their studio, basically take over their studio in order to do this video. And uh, if you've seen the video, uh, let me know what you think. Drop me a text or drop me, not a text, drop me a message on Instagram, you fucking idiot. Drop me a message on Instagram at Mike Petchy on Instagram. Uh, let me know what you thought of the video, but uh, there you'll also see a bunch of my posts uh, that I'm doing for behind the scenes stuff. And I put together, I've curated a very special section on MikePetchy.com, uh, which I'm calling the Art of Bizarro, where I am putting up a bunch of still grabs from the video. And the still grabs are so fucking cool. 
because of that uh, crossfade trick that we do. It creates like accidental art and it's so beautiful. Um, but we also got to work, I got uh, to work with Gina on this and she did a bunch of really cool, very strange um, social media promos for the piece. And I've curated all those there along with a lot of her, um, she did some Polaroids as well. So those you'll all find at MikePetchy.com. If you click on the Bizarro video, you'll find a link for The Art of Bizarro. Uh, and there we go into it. I'm telling you guys, this was such a fun fucking gig. And when you watch the video and you see, and you go, this looks like it was a lot of fun to do. You're right. It was. Uh, not only did I get to hang out with those guys, but I also got to bring in my long-term collaborator, my my brother from another mother, Mr. David Kruder came in, and he was the cinematographer on it. Um, and uh, we had a very small crew. Liam helped out. Um, a really great team of people working with us. Um, and it was just a lot of fucking fun. And it happened so fast to the point where one of those things, you get lost in the moment, you get lost in the whirlwind of doing it. And afterwards, you're like, man, I could have done that for two weeks. And that would have been great. <laughs> um, and so... That's what I want this episode to be about. Straightforward and 100%. Like, there's nothing special about this episode other than the fact that I'm getting the dudes on from Zarface and we're going to talk about making the music video. We're going to talk about our prior history working together, but also the things that we love. I know that Seamus is a bigger comic book nerd than I am. Um, and I know that George uh, and I really love classic um, scores from the 70s and the 80s. Uh, George has got an amazing vinyl shop in Somerville. Uh, we'll have links for all that stuff below, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But more, more importantly, we're just going to you know hang out and chat. And so if you wanted uh, some more material, if you wanted some supplement supplemental material uh, for the video, and I know there's a lot of new fans that are following and listening to this podcast that come from your mom's house. Uh, so thank you, mommies, for joining us. I hope your jeans are high and tight, as they say. And uh, yes, uh, because of the quarantine, I will be feathering it in order to get uh, the look that I need. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm super excited, man. And I have nothing but great things to say about the Your Mom's House folks. Um, and, and if Nadav, if you're listening to this episode, thank you so much for letting me come into your house, my friend, um, and make this piece. Uh, it's inspiring to see uh, the level of quality that they put out of uh, YMH Studios. Um, and uh, that motherfucker, I'm going to try to get Nadav on the show because he is so goddamn busy. He's doing multiple podcasts and producing multiple shows. Um, it's insane to see the level of quality that those guys are putting out at the speed that they're putting out and fucking weekly. We've talked about this before. To put stuff out weekly takes a lot of time, a lot of skill, uh, and dedication, and uh, those guys over there do an amazing job, and it was fun to see, um, and uh, I just want to thank everybody for continuing to listen to the show. I know we've had a lot of episodes, a lot of content out there. Uh, let me know what you think. Are you guys happy with us doing a second episode on Fridays, or is it too much content for you? Um, I Do you find the COVID specials interesting and fascinating, and are we talking about a bunch of stuff where you're like, just fuck off, dude, and just stick with the main episode. Let us know. Uh, drop me some notes. Best way to do it is on Instagram, because like anybody else, that's where I'm most of my time spending. 
my social media time is at Mike Petchy on Instagram or at In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys are staying home, staying healthy. Uh, we just heard uh, today or yesterday, today's the 25th, I'm recording this early. Uh, we heard that uh, we're going to be confined for more time. We're going to be here through, I think they said like April 19th is what they're saying on this round. Um, and I know that that's a tough thing for a lot of folks. We're all kind of going insane. We've only been locked up for what, like a week and a half and we're, we're starting to hit our limits. Um, hopefully you guys are finding uh, some entertainment and some uh, reprieve in the podcasts. Uh, and if you uh, need uh, some motivation, if you want to know how it is that I am staying sane and what it is that I have for my daily routine, then listen to our other specials. Uh, right now, every Friday, we do a special COVID episode where we try to motivate you, we try to keep you sane, and we try to give you info that is on the up because there's so much shit to get us fucking freaking out right now uh, that uh, I think it's good to have an escape from that, and that's what we're trying to do. And uh, it's great that you guys have been following the show and loving the episodes. Uh, what did you guys think of the prior episodes? Uh, last week's uh, episode was Shane Daring. Uh, discovering the cat's butthole. <laughs> I think it's my favorite title for any of the shows that we've done on the on the podcast so far. Um, it's a great episode. If you haven't heard it yet, Shane is uh, an animator for Adult Swim. He does all of their promo uh, clips for Adult Swim. Uh, and I found him on Instagram uh, because of his uh, cat animation where a cat shows you its butthole. Uh, I love that. Uh, anime and I love uh, Shane. I love where he comes from. He's rad guest. Good episode. Definitely check it out. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's not get too deep into it. Uh, let's hang out with the dudes from Zarface and uh, bear with whatever sort of technical issues that we run into if there's some lag time or whatnot. Uh, the internet being as busy as it is right now because everybody's on it. Uh, connecting was a little bit of a problem, but we figured it out. And you're probably going to listen to this go, Mike, we didn't even notice. That's because Liam does a really good job putting these shows together at this point. So you know the deal. Find that special place in your home that you go to escape and listen to this show. Where is it? Is it while you're on the toilet? Is it in your front yard? Or are you still in bed in the same underwear that you've been wearing for the past three weeks? Hmm, I wonder. Well, regardless, grab those noise-canceling headphones. Make sure they're sterilized. <laughs> grab those noise-canceling headphones. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Is your uh, computer operative? Excellent. Hey, fellas. Hey, Excellent. fellas, thanks for being on the show. How are you? Doing good, man. Thank you for having us. Uh, we're excited to be talking to you. To you both. <laughs> to you both. Actually, I'm sorry to exclude you, Liam. <laughs> uh, That's all good. So, so, the, <laughs> so that the audience knows uh, who you guys are, uh, introduce yourselves so we can uh, associate the voice. Okay. I am uh, George, uh, DJ7L from Zarface. Um, esoteric from Zarface. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're in a police. I feel like we're in a police lineup. <laughs> oh shit! 
Jesus. So how are you how are you guys doing? We're all confined to our homes. How are you guys doing? Uh I'm doing pretty well. You know, I'm uh getting by little little uh I have good days and bad days, good hours and bad hours. Sometimes I'm making the mistake of, you know, looking at these weird uh contributions from panic stricken people with Wi-Fi making posts about things and Sometimes I'm I'm watching a movie or just listening to music or playing with my kids and my mind is off of it. But other than that, I you know my body's functioning fine. I'm doing okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's been uh, I've been watching your um, your Instagram stories. Your stuff's been really funny lately, actually. Oh well, thank you. Lately, uh, lately. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, uh, Mike. I feel like I've been less funny than usual. I, usually it gets a little worse uh, at times. So, you know, they can catch me in the shower every once in a while or doing something to provoke a, provoke a laugh or, um, you know, kind of uh, form a, a lengthy juxta, uh, a lengthy distance from my persona on the mic versus my persona at home, you know, and that's kind of what I use Instagram uh, stories for. Good man, yeah. No, you've been great at it, man. Like, uh, like I know ever since. For the listeners that don't know, we just worked together. We all just worked together and did the new bizarre video. Um, and uh, it just seems like uh, we've been getting a lot of traffic lately because of that. Everybody has uh, been tuning in to my stuff, and I know a lot of people that uh, weren't really listening to you guys that were my fans are now tuning into your stuff right now. So it's it's been really kind of awesome. Like uh, the last project that we did has sort of stirred the, the hornet's nest a little bit, which has been fucking great. Oh, well that, that's great, man. I mean, you as a, a as a director have, have always uh, provided, you know, our best looking, best edited, best shot videos. So it was an honor to be able to work with you again, you know? Oh, thank you, man. That's what this whole episode is going to be about. It's just you showering me with compliments. <laughs> I, I'm getting it out of the way, Mike. I'm getting it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've taught me a lot of big words like uh, anamorphic lens and things like things I wasn't familiar with before. Now I feel like I'm, I can go shoot my own movie. <laughs> and I've just uh, reintroduced you to a lot of four-letter words through the process of working with me. Yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that we like. Let's talk a little bit about the video. Um, it was, um, uh, and I don't know if I've talked about how my connection to it was because I sort of came out of it out of nowhere, um, where I was just watching um, Tom's show. So I've I've been a big fan of uh, your mom's house. For about a year and change now, I was introduced to it by my buddy Tony back in Boston, and uh, I was just watching an episode I think on YouTube, and I noticed that he was wearing a Zarface shirt. And uh, then I just texted George, and I was like, "Dude, you know?" And you guys, <laughs> obviously, you guys knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, we just talked really quickly, and I was just like, Are "You guys doing a music video?" And and you guys said that he was interested in doing something, and I'm like, "I'll totally fucking do it." Just because, a, I haven't worked with you guys in a long time, and I've always had fun working with you guys when we've done it in the past. But then, b, you know, that opportunity to work with Tom and Christina and hang out at your mom's house was like, obviously, obviously, it had to get done. Yeah, um, how did you- it was um, it was great timing, man, because you know I had gone back and forth with Tom 
setting up potential dates to shoot the video because the song itself is a couple months old as it was. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then we landed the, the show date in LA for a performance and, you know, we had inspected deck with us and just everything was kind of aligning. So we had our, our golden geese were, um, getting a time when Tom was free and a yep. time when, uh, director Mike Petchy was free. everything lined up you know Uh, yeah dude it was great it was great and and that show um which was a lot of fun i got to be there with you guys got to uh actually film you guys on stage and do all that stuff that was a really great fucking show did i read that was your first la that's not your first la show is it it's certainly not our first la show like as uh artists but it was our first la show as czarface so performing, Zar- I've done Zarface material in LA with uh, Jedi Mind Tricks or, you know, mm-hmm. by myself, but in terms of me, Deck, and 7L together, that was our first like full on Voltron Zarface show in LA. Awesome, man. That's yeah. fucking rad. I didn't realize when, when we were doing it, it wasn't until after, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And the amount of attention that you guys got on that show and the amount of people that are surprisingly the amount of celebrities that are really fucking uh, pumped about that, that show. It just, you know what it is, is I've been so far from you guys for a while. It's been a few years since we've actually connected and sort of jumping back into it. I was just like, Holy shit. You guys are blown way the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You know, it, um, it's, uh, I don't, it's going pretty well for us right now, man. And I think, you know, when there are people, as an artist, you have to learn, like as, a, as an MC anyway, you never hold your breath waiting for props from another rapper or something like that. If you can get actual fans that listen to music and in creatives, but they're not necessarily rappers or producers or DJs, those mm-hmm. are the guys that are just going to keep their mouth shut and, you know, want to uh, surpass you or compete with you. But if you mm-hmm. have fans in different walks of life, such as sports or comedians or um, graffiti writers or directors whatever it might be mm-hmm. it um you know that's who you're really trying to entertain and make music for i i don't like there's an expression being your favorite rapper's favorite rapper or whatever i've learned yeah. not to give give a shit about any of that and you don't you don't make music for other rappers you just make music for people and people will gravitate to it if they dig it you know it's the same thing in our business, man. Like uh, if you are, you know, if you're a director, or if you're someone that's sitting around waiting for acknowledgement from the business or waiting for acknowledgement from the fucking academy or, or something like that, it's just a waste of time. At the end of the day, who are you making music for? At the end of the day, who are you making movies for? It's the audience, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know? And that's There's a tough, no- I think that's a tough lesson for, for anybody as they're coming up through the years. Cause you want, you definitely want validation from your peers and validation from the people that inspired you in the same art form. But, you know, as time goes on, you realize that the people that mean the most are the people that are supporting your music and the people that are genuinely proud to support your music and support you, you know, in in many different ways. So those are the people you tend to uh, provide for or cater to, you know. And yeah. uh, and unfortunately, more often than not, the uh, the people you grew up idolizing really turn out to be disappointing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. It's good to just focus on your music and the fans, and you know. Um, yeah, it's true. Everyone, yeah. uh, you know, I think they're disappointing because they're human, and uh, 
the era that we came from, you tend to hold people to a much higher standard because there's so many, there's not as many, uh, I would say there's more blinders on or more things that Mm. can kind of create this, uh, mystique about somebody. But if you, you know, if you've been following somebody's career for 10 years and you think this guy is a golden God, uh, and then you hang out with him for a half an hour and you're like, wow, this guy won't even spring for some fucking French fries. This guy's an asshole. Yeah. It changes everything, you know? Yeah, dude, tell me about it. Like, there's, I hate meeting my, my idols. I hate it because yeah. it's a risk. You get into that scenario, and we've done it with music videos, and I've done it with some actors where you get into that scenario and you're like, oh, man, don't be a piece of shit. Don't be a piece of shit. And then you hang out and you're like, oh, you're a piece of shit. God yeah. damn it. Now you've ruined, I've ruined the entire catalog of stuff that I loved by knowing you. Right. So, right. <laughs> it's like, you don't, you don't want to get into that position. Um, yeah. And the, the funny thing is, is I, I think I even said it to Tom where I was hanging out with him outside and I was like, dude, I'm relieved that you're not a piece of shit. <laughs> 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 and he was like, yeah, man. Yeah, no, no. Good. And I was like, good. It's good. It's good that you're cool. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in that he's actually a good example of the antithesis of being, a piece of like he's he's just great down to earth guy you know and i think yeah. i think in general uh you know somebody like him who plays with words stories things that are you know little idiosyncrasies in, in human nature that are, are can be presented as very funny they're thinkers and they get it they get things and, and people relate to what they're doing so i mean i think they understand those little social nuances that that you know Mm-hmm. Can easily be, uh, you know, disregarded by somebody else who just doesn't give a shit, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of being a storyteller, right? Yeah, that's part yeah. of being. I mean, I th- you know what's interesting is that it seems that, and this is a topic that I've talked about on the show a bunch, but it seems that we don't give a lot of respect generally to age, like as a, as a culture, we sort of. Uh, put youth and uh, the explosion of talent from youth on such a high pedestal where people are super blown away by the 18-year-old that is making amazing music in her basement or they're blown away by these people that barely have any of these life experiences to to talk about or, or to get into. And there's nothing wrong with being incredibly talented when you first come out of the gate. I would, honestly, I would be so freaked out by being that by getting that kind of acclaim that early on, because how the fuck do you follow that up? Hey, but then at the end of at the end of it, people forget that with experience and with time, we've just been through the process of getting over our own insecurities and finding that level of confidence where you're not concerned that you're not getting praise from other uh, fellow rappers or hip hop artists, or I'm not concerned about getting praise from directors or whatever, because I am so finely settled in who I am and I believe in my work and I believe in my stuff so that I can then start to tell honest stories that aren't fueled by anxiety to a certain extent. Um, and I think that's something that runs rampant in, in most of the creative businesses. And part of me, I don't know if we talked about it on the show with you, George, um, but part of me is kind of feels like that is, you know, from a cynical standpoint, it's easier to control the youth. It's easier to control younger musicians. It's, it's easier to manipulate them as far as like management and agents. Yeah. And, uh, you know what I mean? And so they put these people on these pedestals 
and we uh, we look up to these super young people. And then as somebody who isn't in the creative world, someone that is just viewing this stuff and listening to this stuff, it's like, what have I done with my life? You know, like I'm I'm 25 years old and I'm old now and it doesn't matter anymore. No one really gives a shit about what I have to say. And I don't think that's necessarily the truth. And if you look no. at what Tom, like if you look at Tom's, I just watched his new special last night. I thought it was fucking great. Yeah. Um, and he's matured at such a level where he's becoming a fantastic storyteller now. And he's so confident in how he delivers his lines, his cadence. He's so confident and he knows how the audience is going to respond to what his body does. Um, and oh, that, that comes with age. Do you guys agree or disagree? Or? Uh, I, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Go ahead, George. You can expound on that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, George, you've 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 grown into such a sexy older man. At this point. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Um, well, I mean, but joking aside, you and yeah. I talked about it on our episode where you were saying that when you first started doing production and you were first doing beats, you felt like you had to do a very, you had to do them in a very specific way. Oh, it yeah, wasn't, yeah. It wasn't yeah. until you just allowed yourself to be free of that and then you started to do whatever it is that you ultimately wanted to do. You thought your stuff got better, correct? Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, I was stuck in a very specific box, I feel like as far as like, you know, um, traditional hip hop type beats or samples or whatever it was that, um, was going through my mind, uh, to do stuff. It was very, it was very much routine. Uh, and I think when I kind of stopped caring, <laughs> um, yeah. they, got, they got a lot better, which I think came with Zarface. Cause I think when we first, uh, talked about doing the project, it really, kind of birthed from just like, let's just do this. We weren't really trying to do what we're doing now, so to speak. We just kind of like, let's just make a record with deck. Let's have fun with it. Mm -hmm. And let's just put it out. There was really no, like, you know, that was, you know, that was the genesis of it. And, uh, and with that, it just kind of came to, you know, whatever sounds good, sounds good. Doesn't really matter. Um, you know, all the other kind of rules I had for myself before that, you know? Um, Yeah. Dude, it's great. I mean, and I, it, it really shows right now, especially in hip hop, uh, there seems to be a lot of trends where people are, are kind of using the same samples all the time or they, they, the production kind of feels the same or someone finds uh, some new hot thing, whether it's like trap beats or something else, and everybody sort of gravitates towards that. But you guys have stayed pretty constant in your creativity, um, both the production side and also lyrically, uh, Seamus. You guys are very much a beacon of originality and creativity and a, and a voice that um, I feel like ha is, has stayed consistent uh, with you guys. Is that intentional or? Um, no, I, I just think it's um, doing what we love to do really as cliche as that sounds, but I mean, you, you got to enjoy what you're doing and, and um, be as honest and forthcoming with whatever I'm doing lyrically, what I'm saying as far as what you hear on songs is really exactly what I want to say. It's not um, particularly editing myself or filtering myself for the benefit of this guy re possibly potentially reviewing a record or 
um, you know, any particular people in our uh, genre. Or, you know, it, this is just me being me, and 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 I think that's when it's the most rewarding when people come back with positive feedback about something you've done, and it, it's just you know deviating from our course is i think it's important to experiment and important to challenge yourself or else it gets boring pretty quick but you also mm-hmm. have to have the same you have you have to take perspective where uh, the record made by the 17 year old kid that's on you know that may might have some type of a viral dance craze attached to it or something mm-hmm. we're not really going to go out and try to recreate that because um, that's their particular chamber or their lane. And, and you know, uh, we can zig and zag in and out of different lanes, but that's just, you know, let them have their thing and we're going to do what we like to do. It only you, becomes work when you're trying to make it for, for, you know, somebody else. If you make it for, for yourself, you can find some fun in it. And do you find that it's easier now? Um, because obviously the music industry has changed so drastically. I mean, even from when you and I started working together years and years ago, it's changed a lot. Do you guys find it that uh, it's easier for you to uh, connect with fans and to, to actually make a living with the internet uh, being the way it is, with the music industry currently being the way it is, or is it more difficult now? I think um, from our standpoint where Zarface as an entity doesn't pour as often as we could, um, due to a few different things, roadblocks and, and schedule conflicts and, and uh, you know, the Wu-Tang Clan being on the road all the time. Zarface mm-hmm. um, kind of is a more uh, consolidated thing that's just a stationary thing in terms of, you know, live stuff. We, do, we I, I just feel like we're able to connect with fans worldwide via, you know, the internet. And I, I spend, you know, a good amount of time interacting with kids uh, on the different social platforms, whether, you know, kids, you know, give us feedback on certain songs or say this song made my day or, you know, anything like that. I mean, I enjoy that stuff, man. And I think that helps nurture the fan base and, and uh, it's good for them. Good for us. So yeah, it, it, it helps. You're a computer operative. Excellent. So it's that time, guys and girls. It is that time to thank the men and women that continue to sponsor this show, even through our current climate, which says a lot about these folks. Um, And please do me the good favor. If you don't donate to the show, if you never give me any money, all you need to do to contribute is to click through on the links below. So... If you find something interesting, click the link because they're traceable links and our sponsors will know that we sent you along to check it out. And this is really important, especially in times like this where we need to maintain these sponsorships. So please click the links below. Okay? That's me saying it politely. It's been a while since I've done that. First up, my buddies, the boys over at Puget Systems, if you are an independent filmmaker, if you're a freelance photographer, if you're a graphic designer, a retoucher, if you're just someone that wants a better system to play video games on, right? And you start to do the pricing and all those big systems that are coming out on the market and you're like, Jesus Christ, when am I ever going to pay this thing off? By the time I pay it off, right, I'm going to need a new one. 
Isn't that fucking annoying with all the hardware that we buy right now where it feels like payment plans are super easy and subscription plans are super fucking simple, but it always feels like you're behind the fucking eight ball with that shit, doesn't it? When do we get to pay it off? I felt this way for quite some time and I made the jump to PCs because of that. I wanted to spend the money on the hardware that I needed. I wanted to build PCs specifically for what I what I'm doing. And against public opinion, all creatives don't need the same fucking computers, right? We all have very different things. Different softwares require different hardware. It's just the way it is. And you can go out there and buy a baseline package that kind of works pretty well with everything. Or if you need something specialized, build a PC. Now, I know you're thinking, I don't know how to build a PC. I don't want to build a PC. I don't want to go through that, that fucking process because it's a nightmare of like hunting for hardware and seeing if the hardware works and did it get delivered right and is it broken? What the fuck's going on with my hardware? Why am I not being able to boot up my system? That's a genuine issue if you're trying to build a system. Some people have patience for it. I used to have patience for it back when I used to build my own game systems, but these days... I need something I want to take out of a box, put it on the fucking table, and get to editing 100%. And I want it to be good. I want it to not to lag, and I want it to run the newest shit. That's what I need. And if I'm going to spend good money on it, I expect that. I expect it to do more than that. If you're the same way, go to PugetSystems.com. On Puget Systems, you can actually choose a baseline system uh, based upon the software that you're going to use or that you do use. You want to build a Premiere system? Click on Premiere. They'll offer a baseline. Now, here's what makes them different than anybody else. They want to hear from you. So you tell them specifically what it is that you want to build, how much money it is that you want to spend, and they will give you the best options possible. And the thing that's great about Puget Systems is that they benchmark test all this new hardware that comes out in the marketplace. So contrary to popular belief, the brand new graphics card isn't always the one to buy. Sometimes two or three generations prior work better with the software. You wouldn't know that if it wasn't for places like Puget. And now if you're someone that doesn't want to pay Puget to build a system and you're building your own system, they give that shit away for free. They give all that info away for free on their website. So go to PugetSystems.com, check it out. It's a fucking great resource for anybody that's looking to build a new machine. Uh, They love creatives. I think they're actually going to start their own podcast on the people that they work with. Uh, these guys are amazing. They've supported this show. They support me. Um, and they were just in town recently. I just did a, their new ad campaign for something that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. Um, but I got to hang out with the dudes. We shot for the day. And uh, we got to go out and uh, do our own little bar safari. And uh, have a bunch of beers and some good food and good time. So I love the dudes. They're great people. Definitely check them out. Go to PugetSystems.com. Also, on the show, supporting the show as usual, are the dudes over at Quasar Science. Uh, one of the best advancements in uh, cinema technology has been lighting, LED lighting. I don't know if you've noticed all your Netflix shows, how they look fucking amazing. Are you guys watching, like, what is that, Altered Carbon or whatever that show is that kind of is cool, but almost nah, doesn't really make it? But it looks amazing. show looks fucking phenomenal, and that's because of LED lights. The technology with LED stuff is not only uh, has not only created lights that are cooler in temperature, um, but you can also program them. You can dial in all sorts of different colors into them. They're really fucking cool stuff. And 
one of the leaders in this marketplace are the guys over at Quasar Science. So if you're looking to buy some new lights, if you're like, Mike, what should I have in my kit? I highly suggest you get yourself a couple of tubes from Quasar Science. Uh, soon I'll be releasing a new video, a new knife video for Dale Strong. Um, a lot of those lighting effects were done with Quasar tubes. Think about that. Simply done in my back fucking yard with Quasar tubes. So definitely go check them out. Go to quasarscience.com. Um, I think I'm just going to keep the show to two sponsors for this episode. Plus, as always, if you want to support the show, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There you can donate directly to the show if you want to send us a donation. I'm going to take some water here. Hold on. Hmm. But you could also support the show by signing up for our Audible trial. So if you go to audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process, the link will be below. If you go uh, sign up for a 30-day free trial using our link, you'll get 30 days for free. You'll get a free audiobook, and you'll get access to all of their audio content. Um, and then you'll you know, have that for 30 days. You're probably going to want to stick around longer because you're going to get addicted. You know, don't listen to too much because you still need time for our show, but you'll get addicted. And if you want to stick around, stick around. It's a good, it's a good rate to have it. Um, but if not, cancel it. It doesn't make a difference to us. We still get paid for that initial. Now, this only works if you haven't signed up for a trial before. I know a lot of other podcasts have the same deal. So if you've done it through another podcast, you can't do it again, at least with the same credit card and the same name. I don't know if it's different. You might want to try that. Anyway. Sign up, go to audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. The link is below. Support the show that way. Uh, we also have a deal with Capital One cards. If you go to in love with the process.com backslash sponsor and you're looking to get a credit card, especially in the trying times right now and you need a credit card, um, go there, check them out. We have two different versions. We have the Venture card and the Venture One card. Now, what is the difference between the two? The Venture card, there is a $95 annual fee. The Venture One card, there isn't. Now, with the Venture card, you get a bigger signing bonus, bigger sign-up bonus. Um, I can't remember the specifics. They're not in front of me, and you would think that I would have them in front of me, but I don't because I just cleaned off my desk. Uh, I think you have to spend three... Don't quote me on this because it's all listed on the website, but I think if you spend $3,000 within the first three months, um, you get... Uh, I think it's like, don't quote me on any of this. <laughs> what a terrible fucking read. Go to my website. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com backslash sponsors and you'll see the two different cards. Click on the Venture card and the Venture one. Uh, you get more bonus miles for the one with the $95 annual fee. So if you have more money going through that account, it's great because you get twice the mileage. You get all that stuff. But if you're just starting out and you don't want an annual fee, the Venture One card also has a really good signing bonus. I think it equals to like $200 uh, towards travel. And I know you're like, well, no one's fucking traveling right now. Well, that also counts for like lift rides. That counts for all sorts of different things. So uh, definitely check it out. And I know they also have some sort of deal now with Amazon. So you can use your points towards Amazon purchases as well. So I did a really dog shit job pitching that. So just go to the website, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com backslash sponsors and click on either one of those if you're looking to get a credit card right now and your credit is pretty good. That might help you. 
If you're someone that doesn't know how to use a credit card and you're someone that doesn't know how to plan out your finances, don't go do it. I don't want to be the guy that puts you in credit card debt. Be responsible, folks. All right? Be responsible with your spending. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of it. I think that's it for reads. Let's keep it short and sweet so we can get back into the content on this episode. Let's dig back into it with Seamus and George. Is your uh, computer operative? Excellent. One of the things that, excuse me, one of the things that I've always loved about what you do, brother, is that you're a comic book nerd the same way I'm a comic book nerd, and then you love collectibles, you love tradables, you love all that kind of stuff, and uh, just the whole creation of Zarface in general was uh, basically a comic book character. You wanted to create your own uh, your own comic book personality for this yeah. album, which was rad, and then I love the vinyl stuff. I love everything that you guys are putting out. I think it's super fucking cool. Um, is it, uh, when did you... Is this something that you've always wanted to do as far as the comic book stuff goes? Or was it just because you guys were doing a team up with Deck and you felt like this felt like a superhero team up and it was important to do um, a comic book reference? You know, I think, uh, well, I think as far as the actual forming the group with Deck, that that credit goes to 7L because uh, he was the one crazy enough to think that we would make a record, a full album with Inspector Deck. Right. And I didn't think that was possible. I didn't think that could be down to do it. Oh, I'm, but, so, I'm sorry. You broke up there. What happened? What was it again? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I always say that, man. I'm like, kidding. <laughs> George was the guy who was like, you know, why don't we make an album with, with deck, you know? And uh, I was like, oh, well, yeah. Um, all right. We'll see if that comes to fruition, and it did. But once we had that kind of on the table, we made a few songs, and um, we could have called ourselves anything. But then I thought it would be a good idea. I <clears throat> thought it would be a good idea to, uh, you know, tie it together with a story. And a lot of the things that Deck has spent many uh, successful years rapping about and some of the stuff I've spent years rapping about, there's a, there's a middle ground there, uh, mm. common ground. And I felt like we could find that in the, the realm of, you know, superheroes, supervillains, pop culture. Um, I think that's where I can't rap about some of the stuff deck raps about and for him to come right. this way and me to come that way. And we kind of meet in the middle. It kind of formed, what's our face is now and that that's the characters our face and he has now you know a little microcosmic universe that um you know is is backed by comic books and uh it makes it much more than just a rap group you know what i mean yeah no it's awesome there's 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 action figures now and, and um there's obviously you know merchandise the vinyl the collectibles that whole angle the comic books it just it makes it uh, just you know, more than more than two MCs and a DJ, which is important these days, really. You know, because there's so many there. There's such a huge. 
there's an ocean filled with with uh, musicians to the point where most people and we talked about this on our episode judge where most people are just tuning into fucking spotify and listening to channels yeah, and yeah. they're not even aware of who the fucking artist is it's just like oh cool that's the you know that's the wu-tang's channel and, and it's like well who are the fucking acts that you've been listening to for the past half hour i don't know i don't know it's the Wu-Tang yeah. channel. yeah and, and i mean that's another thing you know regarding today's um environment you know you can walk into a bar and you can hear the most obscure rap records from 1988 and you have mm-hmm. you hold this place in a, a higher esteem but then after a few drinks you realize oh well this is just a playlist that this guy t- you know you can ask anyone <laughs> in the bar nobody knows what the record is but <laughs> it's the way that uh you know uh, things are now and you know a lot of a lot of the the NYC hip hop from you know the golden age is now kind of the elevator music when you're in a you know uh, a bar that's supposed to be kind of cool and, and chic that's the stuff that they used to shun now but that's all because of playlists and just the ease of it it's crazy it's it's wild man and uh, it, look it's it's two different ways of thinking like obviously i came from the same generation that you came from where it was like you go to record stores you buy you know maybe once a week you buy like five albums or maybe once a month you buy five albums and you're listening to those albums over and over and over again so it's a little bit different these days and and there's a lot of really good things about spotify and about these things because you find like if you're deep diving you find other acts that you never would have found you find younger acts that you never would have found but um I think that's what's important about what you guys are doing with Zarface because it does have this merchandise element because it does have a physical thing. Like ultimately people want to get some sort of physical items from you guys, which connects you. I think there's something important about that tangible touch yeah. when it comes when it comes to art um, because you remember that shit. And when you were referencing the bar, you know, I don't know how many bands that I found while out drinking and in an environment with good people, good friends, hanging out, having uh, beers and burgers, and then just going, this is a great moment. What are we fucking listening to? And that track becomes that memory stamp that stays with you for years. Yeah, definitely. You have your Shazam out and boom. Yeah. Yeah. uh, that, That happens a lot, man. That happens a lot. Yeah. So I think it's smart. I think it's really smart that you guys are doing it the way that you're doing. And it's refreshing that you guys are doing it that way. You know, thank you. But I I think we're also from, you know, that era where we came up buying cassettes, CDs, Mm -hmm. vinyl, uh, particularly, and Mm -hmm. we want those things to remain and, uh, you know, whether for novelty or for purpose. And it's, those things are important to us. So we put a lot of time into the production of those. And that is a tangible thing that somebody can hold and keep and show to their friends or just kind of show to their kids. You know, I get pictures sent to us all the time of their kids, people's kids that are, you know, somewhere around our age and their, their children are probably, you know, under 10 or and they're, you know, reading our comic books that, that we've created out of, you know, our music. And it just, uh, it just becomes a little bit more than, than the actual recording of the the, the songs themselves, you know, it's, it's cool. It, it's great because there's a good tie-in, man. There's a great tie-in between how you guys are marketing and promoting it, and, and then what it is that you're talking about uh, lyrically, because a lot of the stuff that you're talking about resonates hard with this generation that is what, like, two or three generations into consumerism, two or three generations into different Star Wars. Like it's, yeah. it's really kind of important. And then you combine that 
with the production that you're doing, George, on this stuff. And and uh, for those of you who don't know, George has a uh, vinyl shop in Somerville, yep. uh, <clears throat> Massachusetts. Um, what's the name of the shop again, George? Uh, vinyl Index. It's at Bow Market, right. right in Union Square. That's right. We actually recorded your episode in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing that George and I get real fucking nerdy about is uh, you've got a love for old scores, old 1970s cinema, 80s cinema scores, and the vinyls that you guys have in your shop are fucking great. Yeah. Yes, um, thank you. But I love the samples. I love the production that you guys are doing behind these tracks, especially in Bizarro. There was a couple of really great moments that were so much fun to add visuals to, like that, uh, I don't know if it's like a piano hit, that boom, and then we were able to do that flashlight stuff. Yes, that was that was a good call on your... Uh on your part with this kind of strobing it a little bit or what you were oh, doing. Dude. The, yeah. Well, dude, there's always a really, cause I get asked to do music videos all the time and you're like, okay, let's hear the track. And there's that moment where you play that track where there's a sense of relief where it's like, Oh, the track's cool. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it stimulates visuals. Sure. You sure. know? Um, and I thought that that the sounds, uh, for that track were very motivating. Um, and, it, dude, it was one of the fastest treatments that I came up with where it was just like, okay, this is what we do. Bam, 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 bam. It, there wasn't any thought process behind it. it was, I think the idea of doing uh, the David Lynch uh, vibe was because their set felt like David Lynch's set. It's yeah, red. It's very much. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, way, and the placement of their cameras when they're recording and everything, it just felt very Lynchian. And it, it's like a super cheap effect to be able to do the reversal stuff and then um doing that reversal stuff and not subtitling that reversal stuff is fun for the fans because the fans i think initially you were going to subtitle right or no i forget i initially i was going to and then we were listening to it and i'm like nah the fans are gonna fucking love this (laughs) shit yeah somebody already uh reverse them back it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. you, you, know, you know what they're saying now so yeah. <laughs> Mike, what you had said about when you were coming up with the treatment for it and it was it didn't require a lot of thought at all i think that that speaks to having the confidence in in what's going on upstairs in your own head you know what i mean like yeah like the first thought best thought type of idea and i think a lot of our music is that way too and it's not constantly you know shitting on our own ideas it's just kind of trusting yourself when you when you have a good vision and it's it's coming from yourself who has been you know tested and proven to be uh successful and talented i think a lot of artists could benefit from trusting themselves more being themselves more and you know you fleshing out that treatment in relatively no time uh proved to be you know uh, a really good choice and direction for the whole thing, and it worked. Tom yeah. loved it, and, and Christina loved it, and it it came came together very well. Yeah, I'm not going to take full credit for all that, but I appreciate it. I think <laughs> it, at, at the end of the day, I always I always equate directing to throwing a party. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the right amount of people that you can rely on and you're trying to get enough odd people invited. So whenever you do a party, you invite the regulars and then you invite the people that you know are going to cause a little bit of stir and a little bit of trouble just to make it interesting. And I knew because we've worked together, we did three videos. I think we did three videos prior. Uh, yes. Uh, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We did three, right? Three, it was, yeah. uh, we did a few, you guys, we did that commercial for bars of death too. For oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But there was, <laughs> there, was there was that. There was the retrospects video, and then yep. there was air them out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I had worked with you guys and I know what your strengths are and I know what your what you guys like to do on camera and where you guys really play out on camera. And it, it helps knowing how the audience reacted to specific bits and how the audience re- reacts to comedy. Uh, I know how to put George in scenarios to make him funny. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so that's fun. Yeah, and then... Yeah. Um, it, like and I I know this episode's just a giant like you know pat on the back. Here we go. But I thought <laughs> I I thought that uh, Seamus, I told you on set, man. Like your acting ability has been in, like awesome, dude. Like like that the when we were doing that performance stuff, I was like, whoa, what's going on? Seamus taking acting classes or something? What's oh, happening well, here? Thank you, man. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what what um what else you want to say, but this is a good time to say it. I I appreciate that man I I don't know um, much about you know the actual act of you know the process of acting I was just kind of doing what how you directed me to to, uh, well you were great thank you You were great and I promise the listeners that it isn't just going to be a a fluff fest but you you were great Um, but (laughs) my point is my point is that um when I was coming up with the treatment, I knew what your strengths were. I knew what our time restrictions were. Because I've been doing enough uh, low-budget music videos in my past, I knew what I could use uh, for techniques and tricks based upon time. Because time is the big issue with music videos. Because you're dealing, especially with this one, where there are three different um, main leads for it, and they're coming from different places, and deck schedules all over the place because he's touring with Wu-Tang. And so the difficulty, I think, with a lot of younger music video directors is that they get the gig or they somehow get into the position where they're like, finally, it's my chance. You know what I mean? And you're there and you're trying to put together what you have always envisioned to be the most perfect music video shoot. Whether it's like, I'm going to do a studio, I'm going to do all these great close-ups, I'm going to have all this really amazing gear and I'm going to bring all this stuff in. And those things become the important element. Especially in a time period where uh, having a career as a music director is impossible, just literally because the budgets aren't there. And so you don't do this stuff to make money anymore because it just doesn't exist. I think it's one of the careers that got hit hard when uh, people stopped buying CDs. Uh, Ah, right, right. You know, because it's it's a support industry. It's a support industry for musicians. And so... Once the labels weren't making that kind of loot, quote unquote, weren't making that kind of loot, um, and they had an opportunity with the internet to say, "Well, it's not for TV, so we're not going to pay you what we're supposed to get, what you're supposed to get paid anyways." It's become very, virtually impossible to make a living as a music video director anymore. Gotcha. Um, so the only reason to take something like this on is because it's either a great opportunity for you or you're working with friends. And what a lot of directors don't realize is that if you do music videos and you're hoping to use that to transition into doing film and features, when you go into a room with execs, they don't give a fuck if you've done music videos. They don't give a shit how many music videos you've done. And to the point where it's been detrimental. Really? Like, I've, oh my God, dude. I I don't want to give specific names. I don't know if I've told you guys the story, but... We pitched a movie to uh, another director, and the director was watching one of my films, and uh, 
afterwards, he was just tearing through my pitch. He was just putting holes in it. He's like, what about this? What about this? I'm like, can I finish giving you the pitch before you tear holes in it? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, why are we here? Why am I fucking here? You know, my agents told me that you like the short. I said, did you watch the short? He goes, yeah, I saw the short. I'm like, okay. It, you know, the East Coast of me just wants to jump over the table and fucking strangle him to death. Right. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like yeah. okay, yeah, cool. And, the, and I was like, well, what did you think of the short? And he goes, well, it just felt too much like a music video. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. And so it, okay. if, if young directors think that they're going to get their feature deal because of what happened in the 90s, which was like David Fincher and Spike Jones and all those guys that yeah, I was uh, went say, from like doing a lot of, yeah a lot of big directors kind of had their yeah foot in does. the music video world you know but it uh, it doesn't know. exist that way man oh. no one no one really cares about music videos and I think ultimately it's because music videos don't have the same platform that it used to yeah. like MTV yeah, MTV was a huge yeah, platform yeah, yeah. you know. And people would tune into that and, and listen to that. But now, you know, we do music videos and we send it to people and they look at it on their phone. And they go, oh, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so then you're just sitting there. I remember after we did this video, I sent it to you guys and you guys were super pumped about it. And then I sent it to a couple of friends that I had. And they were just like, yeah, that's cool. And I remember sitting here, <laughs> I'm sitting here with, with Gina after doing like a week of intense editing and your adrenaline's pumping. And I'm just like, okay, is anybody going to be excited? Yeah. <laughs> Shit, <man. laughs> it's, it's, and that's kind of what it's, that's kind of what doing music videos has become where um, the digestion of it is so quick and unrewarding. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> that, that you know you have to have a good time yeah, doing it and this, yeah. this and it brings me back to my point with our what we were doing once you guys said that you we were going to do it once we knew that tom was involved it was like okay this could be fun because we get to go to his let me write a treatment where we go to his set let's do all that um but then also i was able to bring like david crude on i was able to bring on a bunch of friends that i know and can rely on that do things and that are creative with nothing and, and keep things really simple and fast. Um, and that recipe is how the treatment came up so quickly because it was just like, okay, here's knowing that I no longer really care about being a music video director, knowing that this is for fun and knowing that oh, it's about hanging out with you guys and having a great time and making something that's great, but more about the experience. The treatment just came like that at that point. And I think, I think that's, I think that's that experience that you were talking about, Seamus. It's just understanding what it really is all about, and and, and not projecting what I want it to be. Yeah, you know right. I mean? yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, that was me ranting and fucking raving. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was I was taking a piss during that all. <laughs> but uh, oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I agree with you, man. I agree, and and. and um, I, there's really not much else to be said about that because you fucking covered it, buddy. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's let's change let's change the topic a little bit. And let's get nerdy, man. Let's um. So uh, we, you've been re we weren't really talking about pro football there either, you know. 
let's get let's let's get let's let's uh let's uh separate my listeners even more by getting super nerdy about comic books (laughs) (laughs) um how long you been reading comics shane um probably uh i think since i could read really so that's been many many years man i mean we're talking easily the 80s you know uh I think what, comic books really have been one mainstay, one thing you could always, you know, you check out every once in a while, but then it all, you always come back to them and, and the art and the stories and just the fantasy and escapism of it all it is pretty valuable to me. What books did you come in on? Do you remember your first books? Oh, oh definitely. I mean, I mean Spider-Man, X-Men. Batman, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Moon Knight, Rom, uh, GI Joe, Star mm-hmm. Wars, you know, all the different properties that were turned into comic books, but also the, you know, the, the flagship characters of all, you know, there was never, uh, I would think that maybe the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles might have been the first comic that I grabbed that was the beginning of something. So, mm. you know, all these characters that, I love so much that, I mean, they were created in the sixties, fifties, whatever, even, even forties, but the Ninja Turtles, they grew, I mean, I think they came about 85, 84 or something. And I, you know, I grabbed the first issue in Cambridge at a signing when the Eastman and Laird were there. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was probably the first thing that I felt like I was part of from the beginning, you know? Yeah. Eastman, I actually got to hang out with Eastman when I was at a comic con once um, he was a really interesting character. Yeah. Uh, and I forget the origins. I think the origins of that book were that they were making fun of something from Marvel. I think it was like essentially making fun. The foot was making fun of the hand. So it was essentially, it was essentially, oh, okay. them like, you know, making fun of the hand, which is the ninja group in uh, Marvel stuff. Yeah. Daredevil. Yep. Um, and I forget the other references, but I think they were just making fun of Marvel stuff when they did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And for a lot of people that don't know, if you go back and look at the original books, they're pretty fucking dark, actually. They weren't the, you know, cowabunga fucking, you know, pizza eating. Yeah. Oh, turtles. They were violent, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were cool as shit. Yeah. But I mean, Uh, you know, comics in general was one of the first things that really got me reading in general and and learning. mm Mm-hmm bigger words than what mm-hmm. I was already accustomed to. You know, you'd learn out what you'd, you would, you know, read about what telekinesis was or, you know, <laughs> magnetic radioactive powers. And it just would open your mind to things that you wouldn't find, uh, you know, in your room otherwise. Yeah. I mean, that's my, the, the story behind my, uh, introduction to comic books was that my mother was concerned cause I hated reading. I hated it. And it's probably because I had some form of dyslexia or undiagnosed dyslexia or something. I hated it. Uh And uh, my mother went to, at the time, went to a drugstore and she grabbed a couple off a rack and she threw them at me. And she's like, if you're not going to read books, read these. Yeah. Um, And and that's how I got in. And I think my in was uh, Spider-Man. It was uh, Eric Larson's Spider-Man. So it was right around the time that Venom was introduced. I'm getting nerdy. Yeah. Uh, it was right right then, man. It was that. And then I got I fell in love with Jim Lee, obviously, like everybody else did, and yep. was into the X-Men and then uh jumped ship to uh the um 
uh, Wildstorm, but Image, jump ship to Image for a while with Spawn and did all that stuff. Um, and then I was, I, I, I kind of dropped out in my, I'd say late 20s. I, I just stepped away from comics um, and then came back hard right before Marvel was bought by Disney and I was in with the X-Men and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's wild how like, it's, it's like this comfort that at least I have from my youth where I was the only one in my family that went into a comic book store. No one else walked in with me. It was my own personal thing. It was my own, it was my own sense of adventure that I had. Um, yeah. and I loved that about it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely, man. Yeah. And I feel, you know, I feel like today with the, um, the big blockbuster movies, it's, it's, it's easy to, it's kind of somewhat rewarding to have been, uh, have this allegiance and, and dedication and commitment to all these characters for so long. And now mm-hmm. I feel as though the technology and the CGI, everything is kind of there to make these things seem, regardless of your opinion of the actual movies, the, mm-hmm. the look of the movies is, uh, tends to be pretty breathtaking in a lot of ways. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, you've got, (laughs) you've got the biggest, you've got the the biggest conglomerate known to man at this point, owning all that stuff with the, um, they could throw money, they could throw countries at it (laughs) at this point. So, you know, it's funny you say that because throwing countries at, I mean, in, I think it was Infinity War, it might've been Endgame, I forget which one. I mean, you were able to see Iron Man actually throw, or uh, Thanos actually throw a moon or a star at Iron Man. Yeah, we literally yeah. throw one, and that's something you would see in a comic book, and it looked great. And it's like, wow, yeah. this is something that I could just watch now. I mean, who would ever think you would you would see somebody like Thanos in a movie and, and have it be somewhat credible, believable, and, and um, not believable, but I mean, it look look authentic, you know? Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, and the thing that um, the thing that took me a little while to get used to with. Um, you know, how popular Marvel stuff got. Um, and the thing that I, I, you know what it is, uh, it, the thing that I loved about the comic books when I was a kid was I, like I said, I got, I got pulled in probably on like Spider-Man. Like it was like issue 300 and something. So it was like 300 issues had existed before this. Yep. And, and this was before Marvel started to do the whole every year, let's reboot every book, <laughs> right. which drove me fucking crazy. Cause when I first got into the, into the books, you'd go buy that first. Or you'd buy the new issue off the shelf, and then you'd <laughs> you'd go beg the play the the kids playing card games to get off the old boxes, and then you just sort of go through the old boxes and buy a bunch of back issues. <laughs> the kids and, playing card games. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know what you mean, man. Yeah, and then you you dig backwards and you you'd find the story. And the thing that's so interesting about comic book characters is that for a lot of them, they've existed for over a hundred years, and they've been these characters that all these different writers have added to the mythos of, but their longstanding continuity that has existed with these characters for over a hundred years, hundred and change years. Um, and that has always been really interesting to me. And I think one of the byproducts of, you know, it becoming such a giant corporate structure at this point is that uh, I think a lot of the company people are more concerned about whether or not they're, making it as easy as possible for the youth to get interested and involved with it. And so we were seeing it in the comic book industry with every year they'd be like, Spider-Man number one. And you're like, what the fuck? So does this mean like the 500 issues prior to this don't mean anything? Oh, no, they do. They're just saying that it's number one. What the fuck does this mean? Well, yeah, um, I mean, I think it's 
Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of been revealed to be a a tactic to regenerate excitement in a certain title. You know, there's a lot of times where the first issue of a comic is going to sell, you know, right up four times as much as the second or third, fourth. There's all, there's always going to be a huge drop off after the first issue because everybody yeah. wants the number one because you know there's a higher chance of that being valuable one day. You know, and of course these days. <laughs> The likelihood of that is dwindling. But, I mean, if you happen to get a number one of somebody from in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, you know, it might have a little bit of, of uh, value to it, depending on how they perform at the box office, you know? I, I mean, uh, if you take the first appearance of Groot uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From, the, from the 60s, I mean, now uh, you have to – that's like a $7,000 book at this point because of, you know, his rise to fame – through guardians of the galaxy you know and he, he wasn't even With, guardian of the galaxy then but it just it's it's interesting how that that stuff plays out i i love i love because when i was a kid it was the same thing where it was like okay so these are going to be worth something so buy them bag them box them you know do all that stuff with them and and then you grow up and you go well, yeah well everybody else did that so there's such a plethora of these on the market right now that's, that's what I, that's what it, it is man like i think it was it was <laughs> x-force one or something it was, it was like, like the highest selling comic book of all time, but it was like yeah. the first one, but it's not worth anything because everyone in the world has it, you know? <laughs> well, and then you, and then you mentioned Groot and it's like, well, no one really gave a fuck about, you know, before the movie, I didn't give a shit about guardians of the galaxy. Like they were like a book that was a smaller title that like, maybe you would like, if you would deep into it, maybe you get into it, but it wasn't a top fucking seller at all. So no, 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 it, it wasn't. But see, I think the, the movie just brings, uh, everything together for people in the story and those are new a lot of those are, are new themes that were brought together by james gunn and, and and you know if you have the star power of somebody like chris pratt in the movie and you yeah know, you learn a little bit more about rocket raccoon and, and groot and his relationship with their relationship together drax i think it just gives it a lot more gravity for people where whereas i don't even just the case in point i don't even have an idea of what the group first appearance was uh, yeah. in 1960 or whatever it's tales to astonish i think the book was that he was in i don't know what it was worth before guardians came out i know what it's worth afterward though you know <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and james by the way james gunn killed it i think that's my favorite film in that entire franchise because somehow he was able to come in with his own voice and take a property that no one was really give, no one gave a shit about right um, and really make his own film with it. And there, I don't know all the specifics, but the rumor is that that whole cassette tape thing was his pitch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He brought that in to ground, to, to put it into, you know, it was obviously sci-fi, it's in space, but bringing mm -hmm. that grounded the whole thing and made it more relatable to to people because you're, you're, you have this, this aspect that people can latch on to. And that's, that stuff happened on Earth. It was music from, you know, our times, our planet. And that, I think people could gravitate towards that. And for me, that soundtrack, not, uh, not the score, but the, the actual soundtrack with the songs yeah. from the 70s and everything, that stuff, that gave, that movie gave new life to 95% of those songs to me. A lot of those songs I didn't even like before they oh, were associated dude. with that movie. And oh, now, now it's the only, the only uh, piece of, the only album 
my entire family can agree on. You know, my daughter wants to hear, you know, uh, princess frozen songs. My son wants to hear this. My wife wants to, but we all like the guardians of the galaxy thing because it's associated <laughs> with the movie and it just, it ties us into scenes. And it, they, as you said, it becomes a memory stamp for, for everybody involved, you know? Dude, the opening song, what is it, uh, 40cc, or I forget the name of the act, that does the opening where he's in the hospital and it's uh, yeah. out of love. That track is fucking amazing. And it's one of those tracks that I probably heard when I was a kid riding in the back of a station wagon when my mom was listening to like Magic 106.7 or whatever trash t- or, uh, radio station she listened to. Yeah. And that, that was just there. So <clears throat> when that movie opened and that synth started, I was like, holy fuck. And it, it literally brought me back to being that kid's age, practically. Yeah. And, and, and it, I think that's a very uh, useful device. It's a great way to make it make it work, man. I'm telling you. Um, dude, it's so great, man. And that song, I love that song now because of that sequence. Because of that love, bit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, as we get super nerdy about this stuff, it, I did some history on that song because the song sounds super depressing. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not in love. Don't forget about it. Um, if you do the history on, on why, how he wrote that song, he, it's a joke. He actually wrote that song for his girlfriend because uh, his girlfriend was giving him shit that he would never say that he loved her. And so he wrote this track. Oh. <laughs> he wrote this track as a joke to her and you listen to it and you're like man this guy's depressed he's probably got a gun to his temple and he, meanwhile he's in the background chuckling because he's writing a track to uh, make fun of his girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah uh, so yeah you should look it up because i'm probably misquoting some of it but it, i remember looking it up going wait man did this guy kill himself you know and then <laughs> looked it up and he was just giving his girlfriend shit <laughs> that's cool that's a cool uh anecdote man yeah, uh, I can hear George snoring. George, I'm here. You're t- I'm yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, they're talking about comic books. I'm out. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it relates to yes, you're right. No, you're not, no, not, right. At all, not at all, not at all, not at all. Because you're you're not a, you're not a comic book fan, right, George? No, I am. I am. I am. I just not 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 as much as I think uh, Seamus or you are. But you yeah. know, I grew up reading comics, of course. So. Uh, Moon Knight was one of my favorites. So, oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, well, let's change the topic a little bit here. What are we doing? We're doing okay at time. Um, uh, let's change the topic a little bit here because both of you um, uh, are producers. Like Seamus, you do a lot of producing as well, and you guys both tour a bunch. Um, when you guys are coming up with uh, samples and polls for the tracks, are you guys collaborating with that? Like, where do you guys find most of your samples and stuff? Well, that's, that is a, you know, something that George can answer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't like to talk about the sources uh, that we sample from. There's a lot of risk involved in terms of, Oh, sure. um, You know, there are sometimes you you sample something that you just can't contact the actual artist to get clearance from. And uh, that can come back and bite you in the ass, you know? Well, let's not be specific. Like, what do you guys, I mean, I, George, like I said earlier, I know that you are a huge uh, old score fan and movie score fan. Are you guys uh, just listening to that stuff all the time? Like, like um, how, did, how does it start? I think it varies. I think a lot of it, um, 
it's a lot of bouncing back and forth. Uh, I work with uh, a musician who does a lot of work on the albums, Jeremy Page, who um, in some cases will replay some of the stuff we're using if we want to be extra safe or he'll just add on top of the samples um, if we're feeling, uh, you know, adventurous. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the stuff will make its way to Seamus. And, uh, you know, he's been very big on adding – you know, a lot of the quirky vocal stuff that goes on in there that's playing off of his index vocals uh, is coming from him. So I think once he kind of has like, uh, you know, a canvas to work with as far as a beat, you know, it kind of opens him up uh, creatively to like, you know, fill in the blanks with some of the vocal texture stuff, you know, um, little quirky stuff that kind of comes in. Um, You know, in some cases I'll supply him with some stuff and like, here's a scratch track, you know, feel free to work with, you know, what might work with what you have in mind. And in a lot of cases, he's just pulling from sources he had, um, you know, or just making them up. I mean, he'll, you know, a lot of the voices uh, for some of the Zarface, uh, you know, actual um, skits, skits and phrasing, you know, but even like, you know, the words Zarface, like a lot of that is just uh, Shay kind of messing around with his voice or layering it, slowing it down, speeding it up and, you know, there's a lot of it's a lot of that going. So there is a lot of I think um, back and forth between us. You know, um, as far as once we have, let's say, we have a beat that we like, like okay, this one's a keeper. We want to work with this. Once we get to that step, which you know, like I said, begins with myself, um, then it's kind of you know, there's a lot of kind of back and forth and kind of you know, um, when we start a record or start a song. In most cases, I feel like by the time the record comes out, that song would have gone through a few different changes, you know, um, mm. for the better. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. So it's kind of our process. It's very it's very collaborative in the sense of uh, it's never really done until, you know, we have the, uh, you know, distributors or whoever, you know, beating down our doors to hand in a master. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that I found challenging and uh, something I always wanted to do since we started Zarface was to recreate something that sounded like we sampled it from an old VHS tape or sampled mm. it from an old uh, vinyl uh, read-along record or something, but have it actually just be a Zarface story and eventually get to the point where there'd be a fan that would finally, finally ask me, wait, is our face, is that something that you guys invented or did that invent, did, did our face like exist in the eighties or seventies? Because it, it sounds like you're taking uh, quotes from an old Zarface cartoon. And then I get to tell the person like, Oh, we actually created those to sound that way based on, you know, the stuff that we were inspired by in uh, you know, coming up in hip hop in, in the eighties, you know, if you hear, the, the records we grew up listening to, you cut in a, a phrase from an old radio station or a Minister Farrakhan speech or anything that that could provide more flavor uh, mm. to your to your ear, so to speak. Uh, it added so much more to the songs for us and, and for me. So I love adding vocal samples to, to songs and dressing up, uh, creating what we call kind of moments in the song that you can kind of go back and. Uh, refer to. I think, you know, a lot of me and George is when we reflect on music or talk about songs and what made them dope, we would go back and reference, you know, uh, two 
59 in that song when this horn stab came in and it never came in before that never came in after but right there that gave you that extra jolt of energy to whatever Mm -hmm. with that extra feeling and you know we try to you know add organically add those into our songs as well and hopefully people will feel the same way about some of the stuff that we make dude i love it i think it's great it's i you know, the closest thing that I can refer that to is when I do sound design yeah. uh, for sequences and scenes. Um, and I've, I've been doing that all week, actually. I've, I just did a, a series of night videos, and I'm doing this. I'll have to send it to you guys. I think you'll dig it. I'm doing this um, really sort of strange sound design for stuff. Um, and what's cool with visuals is that you can be literal about sound design. So like if you see somebody, you know, opening a door and they grab a door handle, you can recreate the sound of the door handle and the jiggle and all that kind of stuff. Or you can completely go against that and make people incredibly uncomfortable. And I think one of the coolest movies that did that was um, Under the Skin, uh, the Scarlett Johansson one, where where, uh, she was walking out onto water in that sort of weird dreamy space. Um, and instead of having her walk on water, they had her walking on like crunchy leaves. And so when you're watching this thing, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Because audio, the, the, the way that the audio was conflicting with the visuals was really sort of stimulating this uncertainty and, and uh, this discomfort. Um, and I, the, I think a lot of people, especially because a lot of my listeners are filmmakers, so that's, that's kind of why I bring it back to this. I think a lot of people are super hyper concerned with being literal with things. And I think that adding flavor and adding all these different little moments in there, causing some sort of emotional response makes it more memorable. It makes it uh, a, a better experience, I think. Um, and I know that's what I was trying to do with the music video with you guys. And I think that's why I did a couple of those breaks and added in lion roars and I put in a bunch of different sound effects in there because I wanted those moments to just jump out of that sequence so yeah. that you remember. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's very much, very similar. Very similar. Yeah. I, mean, I, I feel like there are times where when me and George creatively, uh, not butt heads, but we'll go, he'll have a, an arguing, uh, an argument between <laughs> a certain song or a certain part of a song. And I'm saying, we got to do this. And he's saying, no, nah, what's wrong with this? And he referenced, um, uh, Life's a Bitch by Nas, which is a great song that we both love. And it's pretty much a, a hip hop staple at this point. But the beat never mm-hmm. changes through the whole three minute song. And he's like, well, see, that that worked. I'm like, well, it, you know, that's Nas. It's 1994. AZ is right. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to get a little bit more colorful and switch it up for the attention span of somebody yes. living in 2020. So you could have. The, the things you can get away with in, in, in the 90s that you can't get away with in 2020 because I, I don't know what the average um, viewer stays on a particular story or video for, but I'm sure it's a lot shorter now than it was then. Yeah. And you were happy to have this three-minute offering and you're going to take it in and dissect it and break it apart. Now it's like if it doesn't hold your attention or show you a pair of tits in the fucking first 10 minutes, <laughs> out of there. Yeah. That, sadly, yes. we took that out of our video, right? Is that? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, look, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you both. I think that uh, there's part of me because I have I have that same internal battle internally with my in myself. 
So like, it's like the both of you are in my head whenever I'm doing stuff. Um, I get pissed off because I am, I, I, I love a lot of stuff like you were saying, George, where like uh, I'll examine scenes um, that are slow, intentionally slow. And the fact that you are uncomfortable is important. So go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like sit through this thing and go fuck yourself and live with it because I'm trying to build an emotion out of this. But then I also understand um, the dilemma of the fact that everybody has their little dopamine device in their fucking pocket. And so if they're feeling uncomfortable for a heartbeat or if they're feeling unstable for a heartbeat, they can just pick that up and check and, and get some likes and then feel good for, about themselves for like a second. Um, and, and so being a storyteller, that's a real uh, conflict right now because people in general uh, have such, it isn't just having a low attention span. I think it's people want to feel good all the fucking time. And if there's a moment where they're feeling any sort of anxiety, if they're feeling any sort of uncertainty, they have the ability to reach in their pocket and change that. And that's tough if you're a storyteller. Because what you're, what I try to do with my stuff is I will experience a fear or I will experience something, especially as a horror director, I will experience something in real life and I'll go, okay. What I'm feeling right now, the, the reason I shit my pants, I need to try to recreate that through skill and through a technique for an audience. So that way when they're sitting in a theater, they shit their pants too. And having the restriction of uh, the results of the MTV generation where it was like hyper cut, super fast cut, digest this stuff as much as possible, which, as I get further down this tangent, a lot of people don't realize that when you watch music videos that are super cut, or if you watch videos that are handheld, and this is something that I learned back in the day doing metal videos, um, it's because the performers suck. And so I'm going to say it's a, it's a really hard thing to say, uh, and it's a hard truth to actually say out loud, but uh, there was one video I did. I'm not going to say who the band is, but it was one video I did where I had this idea that I was just going to put the cameras on sticks. I was going to put the cameras on tripods and have them be locked off shots and have the people perform in different angles within these locked off shots. And I remember I set the shot up, had a monitor, had the band start to perform, and it was like a guitarist or somebody. And they started to do it, and I'm staring at the monitor, and I'm like, why does this suck? Like, is, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And I'm like, is it because it's lit wrong? Is it because the, the lenses are wrong? Is the angle wrong? And so I was futzing with it and I changed the angle. I went to a different angle, went to a lower angle, tried to make them seem bigger. And then I'm still watching and I go, why is it terrible? And it was because their performance was terrible. And so what I ended up having to do was take the camera off the, the tripod and handheld it. And I had to run around and shake it and do all this different stuff to add the energy that the performer wasn't conveying on the screen. Now, I'm not saying it was because the performer was terrible. Maybe I'm just a shitty director and I wasn't getting that performance out of him. But at the end of the day, I needed to, to mask that lack of emotional connection with technique. Yeah. And that has happened in film, big time in film, where you'll watch a lot of these movies like... Um, you know, specific directors that make movies about giant robots that crash into shit. Um, and people are like, they just, they're dumb and they don't have the emotional connection and emotional involvement. Yes. And so he's disguising that with a lot of like camera movement and lens flares and stuff. But then I was just watching, um, I just did a post about it. I was just watching Raiders of the Lost Ark again the other day because I'm 
studying for a new project. And fuck, that movie's perfect. That movie is perfect. Um, and the way that uh, Spielberg has designed every one of those shots, like if you go through and you break down how he does his blocking, no one makes note of the fact that Spielberg's shots typically last two minutes apiece before they cut. And they're so fucking enthralling to the point where you don't even realize it. So that comes back to what we were saying. There is uh, a, a power in not juicing everything up and not adding all this different stuff to it, but you just have to find that emotional resonance within it that the audience stays connected to. Um, and then you can add all the trimmings to it. Like, like some of the new Spielberg movies like um, Minority Report, he does a lot of that stuff, but he adds all this beautiful texture with what would normally be samples or, or random things where he has like flares and all this different uh, candy covering on it. But underneath, it's just loaded with the beautiful resonance, like a beautiful emotional texture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool shit, man. It's cool. So there are two different sides to the argument, and I get those sides of the argument. And by no means am I saying, as I say this out loud, by no means am I saying that your stuff needs this texturing because it doesn't have that emotional core. I think what makes the Zarface stuff so great to me is that it has that emotional root. It has those references. And you can totally hear the conflict that you guys are having by bringing these two different angles to it with the best intentions to make it even better than if it was you guys focusing on just doing one beat or you over-focusing on samples. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting shit when you think about, because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to take an emotion, we're trying to take a story that we have experienced and then make someone else experience it just by listening to it or just by looking at some flat fucking image. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Magic. Magic shit. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love with the process, man. <laughs> oh, stop it. Another guest referencing the title. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what are we of that one be, huh? We want. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're doing pretty good. How are you guys feeling? You guys still good on time? Yeah, I got a few oh, more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? Want to play categories? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so let, let me ask you this. George, actually, George, while we're talking about uh, the score stuff and, yeah. uh, you know, selling vinyls and stuff, what is, uh, what is your favorite score of recent? Like, what is the, the one that you're oh, really pumped about? Uh, a newer one. I like all the Cliff Martinez stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so like Solaris, I liked a lot. Um, that was a one. He did, I think he maniac i think the 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 remake he did um i'm trying to think of more recent ones having a brain block um yeah did you listen did you like uh you know, the last one i really dug was uh disaster piece for um it follows i thought that oh was that was actually really good yeah that was actually yeah that's actually a fantastic one yeah that's a great example um yeah and that was actually a great movie too um, yeah, dude, yeah. that movie killed. Um, and then I'm a huge fan of um, uh, what SpectraVision is doing right now. I, I thought Mandy's score was really good. That was really good, yeah. Um, what's his name? It did that uh, Johansson. Uh, he died, actually. He did that, yeah. and then he did um, 
what was the big one he did? He did um, Arrival. Did he do Arrival? And I then know, he did. Uh, oh, he did Sicario, and the Sicario score was Did-a-lose, fucking yeah. killer too. No, there you are. That okay. one was amazing. Have you heard? Have you have you heard this one yet? I, have, I you cut out for the last uh, ten seconds. I think so. Did you? He also did Sicario. Did oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Sicario yeah. score, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, dude, amazing, amazing stuff. Um, I love that shit, man. I, and the thing that's really cool about vinyl coming back is that the artwork on vinyl is so fucking great. You have like that te- that tangible moment again where you can hold it. Yep. And open it up and see art printed. It's it's actually really nice to see art without that fucking blue backlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. You yeah. know what I mean? I fucking love that shit. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I think we're at a good point on the episode here. Like um uh I just want to say on the show and and while you know people are listening that um I was really happy that we got to collaborate on that video. It was it was a great time. It was a really fun project. Um, and uh, I really enjoy working with you guys. Dude, I think yeah, you guys it, was, are- it was a bl- I mean, we had a blast. It, it all, it worked out. Um, it couldn't have worked out better. I think all around, you know, like just from being able to shoot in the hotel the way we did and a lot of like the last minute, you know, dream seat, whatever, how it just worked out. So, uh, um, and you know, obviously, uh, we always reach out to you when we have some crazy uh, video. Yes. Uh, you, you check in every couple of years to see what you're doing. <laughs> so uh, this just worked out great. And we were, we were, um, it was a pleasure, man, to just, you know, relink and kind of get to it. You know, I'm sad there was no uh, moped scenes for me in this one, but, uh, you know, that's, that's true. <laughs> It's true. I okay. So for the people that don't listen, uh, that haven't uh, seen, go back. Um, I know I have them on my website. If you go to mikepetchy.com, but you can also find them on uh, YouTube. Uh, go check out the video that we did for Air Him Out. Uh, that was actually uh, it's a fun segue. Actually, that was a fun video because we wanted to come up with something that connected to the uh, retrospects video. Yeah, because the. The first video we did was the one where Seamus was kidnapped by the Russian gangsters. <laughs> yeah, Ara. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and for those of you who are 12 Cam fans that have seen 12 Cam, uh, the lead, uh, Ara, who was in that, we cast him in this video uh, retrospects. And I think we did, I think we cast him in that before I did 12 Cam. That was before 12 yeah, Cam. Yeah, it was, it was. So, or you might, yeah. it, you might have just been starting it or something, maybe, but it was it was before that for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because R was uh, he spoke Russian and uh, he had a good look. I like to put an AK forty seven in his hands. Yeah, I that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was right around the time where I think we were just getting at least I was I was getting a little bitter with the music video world as far as like dealing with labels and dealing with folks and dealing with egos. Um, and so we were on this tangent. I think that was the beginning of the tangent where we, <laughs> where we like to beat the shit out of the lead singers. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. You certainly did that. Shout out yeah. to uh, <laughs> Nicole, who had like pistol whipping me, I think. <laughs> I love it, man. And for so, for so long, because you know, you get attached to that as a director and you're editing it and you're always seeing that image for quite some time. 
I just always associated you with a black eye, Seamus. Like, I don't know what it is. Like a bloody lip and a black eye. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, that was probably one of the first times I, I had felt like as though this really making, we were really part of something that was uh, more than a music video, more cinematic. And, and, and it was, a, you know, a good experience, regardless if I was getting beaten up and had, you know, all types of, being duct taped and everything else. I, I thought it was uh, well worth it. Well, and it's, it's one of the few videos that I've done that still holds up. Like, cause we were watching it before we did uh, this video and I was sitting here going, fuck, this video is still really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, like it, it still holds up and it, it's a fun adventure. And then uh, when you guys came at us, uh, when you formed Zarface and you guys came at us with the Air Mount video, it was it was a no-brainer. I think Tony and I were writing it at the time, and we were like, look, this has got to be a continuation. Um, and so for those of you uh, who haven't seen it, so Shay gets uh, kidnapped in um, the first video, in the Retrospects video, and he's held captive by a bunch of wild Russians. <laughs> And then George has to show up with the ransom money and the Russian gangster ends up taking the ransom money and the keys to his car and then send the two guys running off like bitches. Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and then, and so then in the uh, second video, we pick it, we pick it up and uh, the, two, the guys are on the phone and uh, it sounds like they're talking to a rough character and it sounds like they're in trouble and they end up having to go sit down across from Inspector Deck, who we tried to say is like the bigger mafioso sort of gangster. Um, and then we went and filmed uh, you guys going to have a sit down with him in a Chinese food restaurant, which still blows my mind that we got that fucking location. Yeah, but, Red Lantern. How did you, that was you guys, right? Yeah, that was like... I don't know how we got so we were shot in this giant gaudy Boston downtown Boston uh yeah, Chinese Red restaurant. Lantern, right? Yeah. Red Lantern, yeah. And it's yeah. I, I mean, I don't know who owns the place, but it, it was just one of those spots that you could never get into film and somehow we made it work. Um and then uh we did that sequence once again stimulated by the production that you guys do with all the samples and the voices that you guys did where we had Deck, <laughs> it's such a weird concept. We had Deck, his bodyguards were, uh, a, a, what is it, uh, quintuplets or whatever, where you, there's like four of them. Oh. Oh, big <laughs> yeah, and it was essentially just this one guy that we did split screen, but we had him singing all the background. And the idea was that he had <laughs> uh, the same dude as his bodyguard multiple times. Um, yeah, big Mike. Yeah, he was he was fucking great, dude. We had fun with him, and then um, the video uh, we ended up uh, chopping off and then playing out the back end on sort of a short story aspect of it. So, so it became more of a film. Um, and it turns out that uh, Deck found the Russian gangster and then brings you guys down into this uh, basement, this dilapidated moped basement that we were working in. And that place, by the by the way, that place was that gross in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty disgusting. And then we went down there, and they were torturing the Russian gangster, uh, a la Lethal Weapon Two style. 
you know, with uh, Mel Gibson in the, getting electrocuted in the bucket. Uh, and that was our point of reference. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause it, and that was the first time that we actually shot with anamorphics. And so uh, we got these, dude, it was it's crazy the shit that we were able to pull together when we do your videos. We actually got these uh, Hawk anamorphics, which were super fucking expensive and really fucking heavy uh, to use. Um, and then just getting those lenses uh, changed the whole look of everything. It just felt like an old John McTiernan uh, 1980s action movie. Um, and then we shot the sequence in the basement where you guys are confronted with uh, the guy that kidnapped you. And then you have to clean up business, which, <laughs> which is a, which is a lot of fun. So if you guys haven't seen these videos, like I said, you can go to my website, go to mikepetchy.com. I have them all up there, uh, easy to get access, but they're also on YouTube. Um, but uh, you'll see the origins of our stuff. Um, and like I said, I've always had fun working with you guys because you got and you know what? Credit to you, dudes, because. Uh, you guys really let me do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is yeah, which is which is nice. It's such a refreshing thing because I know there's a lot of music video directors that listen to the show. They can roll their eyes with me. Where <laughs> most of the time, what happens is an artist will see a movie and then they'll want to be in that movie, and so then they'll send you some sort of treatment where it's like, remember, remember that movie. Can you just put me in it? I'm just like, God. <laughs> um, and so you guys have always had the imagination uh, and uh, the trust to let me do some awkward, like put, <laughs> like put Seamus on the back of a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the fun stuff. Yeah, that was um, fun, man. Um, which that scene is actually a reference to Made. You ever see Made with yeah. uh, Vince Vaughn? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I remember. I yeah, you, you know, you referenced that you had verbalized that then. Yeah, and I got it, man. Yeah, where Vince Vaughn had to get on the back of the bike with that, the dude without a shirt. Yeah, yeah. Just unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So, yeah, so it was a bunch of cool references. So if you guys are nerds, you guys are movie nerds, you guys are comic book nerds, and you guys haven't seen the Zarface stuff, then go check it out because you're going to fucking love it. And there's a reason why I essentially came out of music video directing retirement to work with these guys because they're a lot of fun. Um, and every time we do something, uh, it ends up being gold. <laughs> so, if you do say so yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have, I have no, I have no problem uh, <laughs> saying that. That's good. Um, well, fellas, thank you for being on the show. I will not hold you back. I know we have an intense schedule of things to do today. <laughs> being yeah, no, shit, no shit. No <laughs> shit. Um, but I'm happy that you guys are being safe. I'm happy you guys are healthy. Yeah, I like um, you too, man. And uh, I appreciate it. Is there anything that you guys want to plug or anything that you guys want to talk about at the back end of this? Um, uh, I mean, no, just, just visit Zarface.com. Yeah. You know, that's where we have a lot of our vinyl and uh, music and comics and, and merchandise at Zarface.com. And, and that's kind of uh, our hub for, for all things uh, Zarface universe there's your uh, computer operative excellent so hope you guys enjoyed this episode excellent. i love fucking talking with those guys um i'm so happy to be working with those guys again i'm so happy uh that we did this project if you can't tell um this is one of those jobs that that uh not only makes you happy but will also be around for a while 
and uh, people will be talking about in the future. Um, so it's really nice. It's really nice. One of those fucking moments where you do something and you're like, God damn it, we did it right. Fuck yeah. And I'm not just, this isn't ego here, guys. This isn't me just patting myself on the back. This is just saying, acknowledging when it goes well. And on the show, you've heard me be cynical about a lot of different things, but this is one of those moments where stars align and you find it and you make something really great and you're all going to have that opportunity. Just be open to it. That's the one thing I will say is that be open to that opportunity. Don't just close yourself off. Like there was a there was a period in time where I would have been like, I don't do fucking music videos anymore. There's no money in this. Uh, I don't want to get into this shit. And if I had that mentality, I wouldn't have been able to make this work. Uh, there just has to be a good reason to start any project. And if you are open to the different rewards that you can get, uh, and I don't mean just money and I don't mean experience. There are other rewards that come through with this. Um, just be receptive to it and uh, you'll find yourself making something or having an excuse to make something that's really great that a lot of people will see. And uh, thank you everybody that has checked it out and thank you to all you guys that have uh, sent me notes on the on the music video. Uh, I'm really happy that you guys responded to it the way that we intended. Um, and uh, as you could hear on this episode, uh, George and Seamus are great guys. Uh, so definitely check them out. Put their Instagram accounts below. Um, they're both doing a lot of really cool posts lately. Um, and uh, yeah, fuck yeah. And as always, make sure to go check out my Instagram at Mike Petchy or the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram. And um, yeah, I'm not going to drag this out. I've recorded two podcasts today and my voice is kind of pissed off. So <coughs> Corona. Mm. Oh, so I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, stay safe, uh, stay at home, and uh, find something to keep yourselves sane. Is your uh, computer operative? Excellent. Hey, yo. Excellent. Stop playing, it's my turn to smoke. Heavy dose of that murder I wrote. Don't let it burn your throat. I ain't from the same cloth, they be turning coats. I'm hood good, head of shot town of Sherman Oaks. Ain't nothing worse than true lies, but new lies. I'm too wise, they be acting like they shoe size. Stormy days make you pray to see them blue skies. I'm from the fire right next to where the jewel lies. Scrutinize if you must, it's all we trust. Who hard is us, boy? We hit you with the karma touch. Tough as an armored truck, fresh like a barber cut. In other words, simply marvelous. Check this file. I check, 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 check this file. Check this file. I check, 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 check this file. Your flow did it to retros ago. Sure is. You were supposed to beat me to death blows ago. We can go, we can go. Toe to toe. We can go. Toe to toe. Excellent. He is back when you thought I might have mellowed. Read the mic and rap. You fuck you. Don't get I yellow. Check this file. My mind is denied, so the brain will shoot you. When I write, it's like Stephen Strange looking in the future. This is Shorty on. You got a corgi on. I'm sipping 40s and Rick and Morty's on. Slow serving got me on the verge of murder. So catch me at your mom's house with a Tom Segura. Pizza Aura. Sarkin' the Azora. CC tug of puller. Stands on Grand Fedora. I'm dangerous like churches and storefronts. Favorite rappers getting killed, but they want more guns. Can't be serious. Your flow did it two retros ago. You were supposed to beat me two death blows ago. We can go, we can go, toe to toe. We can go, toe to toe. On the twin powers, activate. Form of fire, everlasting flame. Street player like Chicago, Mac the game. The response is your highness when they ask his name.
Obviously, he can control the molecular arrangement of his body. Yeah, but the odds are against him. Uh-huh. I live stream your team on the widescreen as I beat him clean, despite being obscene like a pipe dream and crackhead's hygiene. Rhymes eat your soul, put you in a sleeper hole. Good night, Irene, like Adrian Adonis. I'm crazier than Xavier on the Sonics. You move the crowd out his stadiums with comments and make the haters vomit as I read a cable comic. This is food for thought, better put a label on it. This is what happens when the shit is fresh, you know what I mean? Like wild caught. They out there farm raised, you know what I mean? Sharing a house with the next wildling. Wildling.